Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Now I want to invite uh, Lydia Crossland to come this morning and to read to us a long passage. But just remember, let's pay attention and really give focus now as our children are dismissed. (laughs) Now, let's pay attention to uh, the reading of uh, God's holy word. Um, I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 6 and the first two verses of chapter 7. The ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us what we shall send it to its place. They said, If you send away the ark of the Lord, of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return him a guilt offering. Then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, What is the guilt offering that we shall return to him? They answered, Five golden tumors and five golden mice. According to, the tu- according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hands from you off and your... So you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from off you and your gods and your land. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts? After he had dealt severely with them, did they not send the people away and they departed? Now then, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows on which there has never come a yoke, and yoke the cows to the cart, but take their calves home away from them, and take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put it in a box at its side, the figures of gold, with which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off and let it go its way, and watch if it goes up on the land, on its way to its own land of Beth Shemesh, then it is he who has done this great harm. But if not, then we shall know it was not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. The men did so and took two milk cows and yoked them to the cart and shut up their cows at home. And they put the ark... The men did so and took two milk cows and yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they put the ark of the Lord on the cart and the box with the golden mice and the images of their tumors. And the cows went straight in the direction of Beth Shemesh, along the highway, lowing as they went. They turned neither to the right nor to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. Now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark. They rejoiced to see it. The cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. They stopped there. A great stone was there. They split up the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the Levites took down the ark of the Lord and the box that was beside it, in, the, in which were the golden figures, and set them upon the great stone. 
And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrifices on that day to the Lord. And when the five lords of the Philistines saw it, they returned that day to Ekron. These are the golden tumors that the Philistines returned as a guilt offering to the Lord. One for Ashad, one for Geza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, and one for Ekron. And the golden mice, according to the number of all the cities of the Philistines, belonging to the five lords, both fortified cities and unwalled villages, the great stone beside which they set down the ark of the Lord, is a witness to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. And he struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them, and, be, and the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with great blow. Then the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall he go up? away from us. So they sent messengers to the inhabitants, so they sent of Kiriath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have returned to the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it upon you. And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord and brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill. And they consecrated his son Eleazar to have a charge of the Lord, of the ark of the Lord. From the day that the ark was lodged at Kiriath-Jerim, a long time passed, some twenty years, all of the houses of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel said to all of the houses of Israel, Thank you, Lydia. That was a fantastic job of just ministering God's word to us. Thank you. So uh, we are in a series from 1 Samuel, as you know, and we saw in 1 Samuel 3 that the word of God was rare. And uh, it was the day of the judges. And in the day of the judges, we know from that book that every person did what was right in their own eyes. Israel, who was supposed to be God's people and following after God closely, we're just like the other nations, in fact, sometimes worse. And now they and the nation, their arch enemy, the Philistines, were thinking if we can get the box where our God resides, which was called the Ark of the Covenant, and hold it in our possession, we can somehow conquer Israel. The Philistines thought that of Israel, and Israel thought that of the Philistines, that they could use God in that way. And you see, the problem is, is that God cannot be con controlled, can he, church? He is sovereign. He alone is the all-powerful one. He will not be, as Andrew reminded us a few weeks ago, your waiter or your servant. We are under his authority. He is God and we are not. And so the bottom line today, we're going, to, we're going to ask this question, do you realize how holy God is? The problem is, is often we don't, honestly. And certainly Israel did not in those days. They wanted to use the ark of God for their own purposes. 
again, their enemies, the Philistines, grew more and more powerful. And they thought, if we take the ark from Shiloh, which they did, then he will save us from the hand of our enemies. 1 Samuel 4.3 said that. And they were, as we've seen before in this series, treating God's presence like a lucky charm or a rabbit's foot. If we use him in this way, we can kind of manipulate his power. And of course, we know that they, they failed to obey God and to follow his, his rules or instructions of how we are to worship and come before him. As we saw a couple weeks ago, the armies of of Israel were not only defeated, but the high priest's sons, Hophni and Eli, were, were um, Phineas, excuse me, were actually killed. And so um, today we come to this passage. It's a rather long passage, as you've heard. And uh, we're going to see, first of all, in this passage, that a failure to obey God's holy word. In your Bibles or your handhelds, notice that we see in verse number one that the Philistines held on to the ark for about seven months. Uh, And what was happening during this time, we know last week in 1 Samuel 5, we read that God had inflicted the Philistines uh, in their cities with these severe tumors. Uh, Mark suggested they might have even been hemorrhoids and and a kind of infestation of rats. We don't know exactly what these diseases were, but they were tumors and they were actually, people were dying from them. It was a serious thing. So one city in Philistia would have all these afflictions because of the Ark of the Covenant and God's misusing God's presence. And they passed on the Ark from city to city, kind of like playing hot potato. I mean, it was get it out of our presence because... There's only bad things happening. So instead of being a blessing or using God's power, it was a curse to them. As Andrew reminded us a couple weeks ago, notice this, remember this, guys. You cannot play games with God. You cannot. So the, the Philistines, people, they thought... If we just hold on long enough, somehow we are going to dominate Israel. But of course, they, they were pretty much gluttons for punishment. They held on to it a pretty long time, but finally they gave in and they said, no mas. <laughs> we're done. And so their holy men devised a plan. We see it in verses 2 through 5 with a hope to stop this sickness and spread of death and diseases. And so their plan included making gold images out of these kind of the, shape, the tumors that were impacting them and the mice or rats that were infesting them. Verse 5 tells us that they recommended to include these gold figures to appease the God of Israel and send his ark and his presence back to Israel. And notice they're thinking, uh, verse 5 says, Perhaps he, the God of Israel, will lighten his hand from off you and your gods and your land. You know what's crazy about this? Is the Philistines, these pagans, acknowledge God's power and his holiness more than Israel. What? Does that ever happen in our lives? In even the church? 
And and these pagan holy men give them a a lesson from history. Notice in verse 6, they recalled the days when Israel was in 430 years of captivity in Egypt. And remember at the end of it, Moses and the ten plagues and Pharaoh, and there was that sort of battle between Moses and Pharaoh, and these plagues kept coming. Finally, Pharaoh said, you leave, you people, and send your ark and get out of our land. He said, in essence, no moss. And they sent their jewelry and their gold with the people of Israel uh, away from them. And this is kind of what happens. So the Philistines have this, these holy men kind of had this same idea. And we see the plan in a little more detail in verse 7. Look at it with me. It says, now then, take and prepare a new cart and two milk cows on which there has never come a yoke. And yoke the cows to the cart, but take their calves home away from them. And take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put in it a box at its side, the figures of gold, which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off and let it go its way and watch. If it goes on the way to its land to Beth Shemesh, then it is he who has done us this great harm. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by coincidence. You know, why was this their plan? And again, verses 8 through 9 tell us they were trying to see if this was a fluke, random. That's what the world thinks often, no God, no existence. Or is this really God of Israel doing this? And, and the way they set it up, they set this, this whole plan up for actually for f- failure or for their own worldview success. Let me share with you why. They took two milking mama cows who had never been yoked together, and that's not good. Because when you have mama cows and they separated their mama cows from their babies, do you know what happens to a mama when they're separated from their baby? That mama will tear your eyes out <laughs> if you get back to their child. They'll, that mama will do anything to get reunited with their, their baby. So again, as they do this, it's, it's kind of crazy that this plan was doomed to fail. You would expect these cows to head directly back to their babies, which was in the nation of Philistia, but instead, we know God's word says, but God. By God's sovereign leading, the cows went in the opposite direction, and they actually make a beeline to the Israeli city of Beth Shemesh. And verse 13 tells us, now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and when they lifted up their eyes, They saw the ark, and they rejoiced to see it. It was like the cows had a GPS system. Verse 14 tells us that it just happened that they stopped in front of the great stone. Do you see that? Now, this wasn't any, like, random rock. It was an Ebenezer stone of remembrance. It was a place of remembering the presence of God. 
And it was right there that God led these cows to that place. And we know that these cows, as they go back, it says they went lowing all the way. They, this, was not, this was not a positive thing for these cows. They are, if you look up lowing, um, the cows that low are actually feeling a distress. And they were being led by God, but away from their babies, and they knew <laughs> something's wrong here. There's a problem, and we know the, not just the problem of being separated from their babies. The greater problem is there was a problem of disobedience. And even the cows, you see, are more obedient than God's people in this day. This is so sad, right? You can picture them headed to Bethshemesh, lowing all the way. And verse 15 tells us that the priests there in, in the in that town of Israel, properly took off the Ark of the Covenant and offered the cows, no wonder why they were lowing, as a sacrifice of worship to God. But they failed to continue the people of Beth Shemesh in, in obedience to the Lord. Verse 19 tells us that the 70 men of Beth Shemesh looked upon the Ark of the Lord. Now we don't we don't know exactly what their offense was, but we do know that they approach God like some of us do in a casual, self-determined way. Not following his word, in essence, bottom line. And likely these men thought that God's presence might give them power, or they were just curious and had to look. They had to open the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, this isn't a real thing, but you remember Indiana Jones in that classic scene where the Nazis steal the Ark of the Covenant, and they capture it, and they think, because we have this, we're going to defeat all the world. We have the Ark of the Covenant. And until that, that point in that one scene where the, the leader of the Nazis opens the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, and it's like all heaven breaks out. And they are actually the Nazis are defeated and are actually melted in the very presence of God. Here's the, here's, I, I mean, here's the point here in this scripture. Of, it seems kind of severe, 70 people die. But listen, do you remember how in the Old Testament God's people could stand before God and could come into his presence? It was only once a year the high priest, he had to be anointed with all these oils, go through all these washings, wear all the right robes. They put a rope around his waist. They put bells on his legs in case when he came into the presence of God, if he fell down dead, they aren't going in there. <laughs> They're going to yank him, pull him out. And there he goes in, and he can't touch the ark, but he could only sprinkle blood on the top of the ark, which was called the mercy seat, crying out for God's people forgiveness for their sins. You see, there was a one approach, and even the ark, the high priest could not open the lid of the ark of the covenant. He would have been struck dead. You see, you know, in the Old Testament, we see these sometimes harsh things, but God is a holy God, and you cannot play with God. He alone is holy. And 
And so we see here uh, uh, that people that try to leverage God and his power rather than submit to him, it doesn't go well for them nor for us. We see in verse 20, the people of Beth Shemesh, after 70 die, ask a question. That I think this is the heart of the passage. And here it is, verse 20. Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? You see, in the Old Testament, the answer is no one. No one could stand on their own before the presence of God. Why? Habakkuk 1.13 describes says about God, you, Lord, who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot, cannot look at wrong. You see, God is so perfect and no sinful person can stand before his presence. You know, this makes it feel seem hopeless, right? What will God's people do? <laughs> well, this leads to our second point. It's this. There is the blessing in this passage of obeying the holy God. You see, the people of Beth Shemesh communicated to another Israeli town nearby, kiriath Jerem, and told them that the Philistines had returned the ark, and they play their own version of hot potato. Okay, this hasn't worked so well for us. We're passing the holy ark to you. But this time... The men and people of Kiriath-Jerim treated the ark with reverence and, hold, and come before the holy God and follow the instructions of his very word. And we see that because of it, Kiriath-Jerim experiences 20 years of blessing. In chapter 7, verse 2, it says, All of Israel saw the Lord's blessing and the ark was obviously apparently localized in this city of Kirchurim, and all the house of Israel lamented or sorrowed in the town of After excuse me, sorrowed after the Lord. You see, all of Israel saw the blessing going on in Kirchurim, and they longed for that too. They finally said, we want to repent. We want to obey you, Lord, and, and come before your presence. You are the holy God, and we finally are committed to follow your instructions. So we see here that um, 20 years, it's in Kirith Jerem, and we know in the rest of biblical history that finally David comes, the king, and he brings in a very... Um, careful process where he dances before the presence of the Lord and makes offerings about every 10 steps before the Lord taking the Ark of the Covenant up to Jerusalem and finally resting him in the tabernacle. Eventually his son would build a temple where he would house the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. And so <laughs> are we are we, how are we doing with this? How are we coming before the holy God? And what does it mean to be holy? This word uh, um, holy means literally to separate or to cut off. You see, because God is separate or he is cut off from everything that is sinful and evil. He cannot tolerate sin. 
Think about God's character compared to ours. He is perfect in his holiness. He has no sin in him. He cannot stand sin. You see, all of the Old Testament, 1 Samuel and all the Old Testament point forward to a day when only God, the holy God, Jesus, becomes flesh and he lives in perfect obedience. He keeps every instruction of God. And he alone is the one we know who can stand before God in his holy presence. But he doesn't stop there. The perfect holy God ultimately is falsely charged and goes to a cross. And the one who was perfect in his obedience, what does he get for his perfect obedience? Death. The wrath of God. For our sins is poured out on the perfect God. This is truly extraordinary. Why? So that he could ultimately forgive us. But even more to us than that. He secondly will credit to us all of his holy righteousness. Can you believe that? This is how great. How amazing. How wonderful is the love of God for every person who simply comes in faith and repentance before him. Are you doing so? Are you coming before him in that way? Are you coming not in your own works, but only covered by the work of Christ and his perfect obedience? This is the only way we can stand rightly before a holy God, both now and when you stand before God in heaven, you stand clothed in the very righteousness of God if you have trusted him. And so God the Father will see you as he sees his perfect son. This good news is unavailable in every other religion. No one claims to have this kind of blessing. The God of the word, Jesus, satisfies God himself for all of our sin. And he completely obeys so that he could credit to us his perfect obedience. Hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a Lord. We should all be skipping and dancing out of this place because of what Christ has done for you and me, for those of us who believe in him, who trust in him. You see, when Jesus ascended to heaven, he poured out his Holy Spirit into a new ark, into the hearts of his believers. The holy God dwells with us. The holy God dwells in us. And so I want to ask you again the question of this passage. Who is able to stand before the holy God? Amazingly, we are, but only, only through Christ and him alone. 
Do you believe in him? Do you know him? If you're here in person or online and you have never trusted God through Christ, this is, this is the amazing fact that Jesus came and obeyed perfectly so that you could be changed and be given the perfect righteousness of God himself. Again, you look to every, any religion, any other faith, and you will see they do not offer that. They don't even begin to claim that, but Christ himself claims this in his word. Today, if you don't know Christ, come humbly. Repent of your sins, yes, but come to Jesus and say, God, I need you. Credit to me your perfect obedience so that I can stand before God as well. And God will receive you and accept you, not just as a slave, but as a son or daughter whom he loves with an everlasting love. Look, if you're a Christ follower, what does this mean for you? It means a few things, but here's a couple. First of all, this is the Lord's day. However you view this day, are you making it holy before God, are you making a difference? Well, you'd say, well, I'm, well, I'm here today, John. <laughs> and that's great. Good job. But are you thinking about the rest of the day? Is there a way that you're making this day different for you and your family? Fathers, are you leading in making the Lord's day different? You know, one way you can do this, there's many ways. But here's just an idea. What if you and your family this afternoon took a couple hours and you shut off your phones? Would that be a miracle? <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's life-giving, actually. And even the culture, non-Christians say, do that. But do we do that? I'd encourage you. Make a practice on Lord's Day. Take some time and you dads, start with you, shut your phone off by faith in the holy God. And ask him and show you me, show, ask him to show you how to worship him and enjoy him and enjoy your family and enjoy this day. It's a day of rejoicing we celebrate Christ's resurrection. Secondly, this is the holy word are you reading it? Are you meditating on it? Are you enjoying it? Look, this is not one more law, one more duty. Do you know this? Do you believe this? The holy God gives you his perfect obedience and out of delight, we should long. We should pant. We should Desire more and more and more to read and study and obey God's wonderful word. It's life-giving, friends. But you're running after all these other things, these other words, these other thoughts. Is this the word of God for you? Pursue his holy word. Again, out of not like, okay, check off. John said, read the word, I've got to go do it. No, no, it's, Lord, give me delight to enjoy you, the holy God. And listen, as we come, this is often called 
holy communion. It's not holy because this bread or juice or wine is different from any other bread. Or, it's holy because Jesus set apart this very remembrance. This is a holy moment we're coming to because we're coming to stand literally in the presence of our holy God only because of Christ. And so today, as you prepare for the Lord's Supper, I have a prayer from Augustus Toplady who wrote that great hymn, Rock of Ages. And he also wrote this prayer. We're going to use this. We're going to read this out loud. It's on the screen. If you'll join me, if this is the prayer of your heart, if you desire to know and stand before the Holy God, will you pray this out loud with me with simple faith and repentance and obedience that flows from delight? Let's pray together. With what shall we come before you, O Lord, or bow ourselves in your presence? you in faith, mentioning no other name, pleading no other righteousness, and trusting in no other atonement than the name, righteousness, and atonement of our blessed Son and our adorable mediator, Jesus Christ. In him we desire to be found through him we hope for favor with you and in acceptance in your sight. Blessed be your goodness for the mercies of the day, for the blessing of your providence, the comfort of your spirit, and the privileges we joy. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.